ברוכים הבואים בשם השם, ברכנוכם בבייס השם. Welcome to our weekly Wednesday night share. We mean weekly, and we're actually starting a minute early. <laughs> Sorry. For those that are prompt and couldn't always exactly. For Shabbos, if Shiva didn't Shabbos Nachmu, Pashavas Hanun, Lilu Nishmas, if Raim, Mechanayim to Flipa, Lilu Nishmas, Shmu Yakiv Mesha, Lilu Nishmas, Chaim and Borak, Lilu Nishmas, Ivet, Ejanet, sorry, Janet Bas Ibrahim Shi, Ibrahim Akoyin. Also known as Shabbos Nachmu. Shabbos Nachmu simply because after starts Nachmu Nachmu Ami. Which hopefully we'll discuss, although we've discussed before, the double nachma, double nachama. Chumash Devarim, as we said, it's called Mishnah Teira, repetition of Teira. Hence, we find throughout Chumash Devarim things that were spoken were spoken about in the first four books. Rewind or turn back to Pasha's Yisrael in Chumash And the highlight of the Pasha is, of course, as we all know, the Aseris Hadibris, the Ten Commandments, given to us on Har Sinai. Hashveshanan is the what is called counterpart of Pashas Yisrael, and once again we have in Pashas Veshanan the recitation, the reading of the Ten Commandments. Hashem. It's the fourth Aliyah, fourth person called up. So the Kohen Levi obviously can never really get that honor of being called up to the Vashanata Asadis Adibris. Whereas, of course, it's the Yisrael, and all the Rosh Hashivas in Gedalim on Shlishi Hashishi. So they have a problem all of a sudden fighting over a V. Although they ever spoke very, very strongly about the Aseris Adibris being given especially, specifically to a Rav who is a Rav, the head of a community. And so always was that the Rabbanim chosen Abir Shiva Abirim, as the Rebbe called them, would alternate on the Aser, who would get the Aseris Adibris. Since one of them obviously was a Levi, Rabbi Heller Zengizund, 
So he never got. And it was split between Rabbi Azdab and Rabbi Marlo. Rabbi Azdab is There was one year where the Gabayim, I'm not sure what the idea behind it was, if they were angry at the Rabbanim or whatever the spitzel they wanted to pull off, they gave it to somebody else. It was actually a Rav, but not from here. And that's what the Rebbe reprimanded by Fabrengen, saying, how no, this is not the way it goes. It needs to be given to the Rabbanim. There are slight variations between the Ten Commandments, the Seder Sadibis, the way they are written in Parshish Yisrael, and the way they are written in Parshish Voyesh Hanan. One of the very famous variations, of course, is about Shabbos. The keeping of Shabbos. Zohar is in Shabbos and Shomer is in Shabbos To remember it and to keep it, to guard it. And as we all know, of course, the difference between the two is the Zechira and the Shmira. And we spoke many times about the different types of people. The working class that work very hard a whole week and they come Shabbos, they want to rest. And they're not using the spiritual ramifications of Shabbos, but rather just the physical notion that they can sleep in on Shabbos. And then we have those who sit in their Torah all day, all week long comes on Shabbos, they're doing the same, so they need to be reminded as well. Today is Shabbos, it's a holy day which needs to be kept in its own right, in its own way. The Ten Commandments. The basis of Torah. The first five Abin Adam Lamokim and the second Adam Lachavir. First five are between God and the and the person, and the second five are between the person and his fellow mankind. Anichi Hashem The positive commandments are based on the Anichi Hashem I am God, your God. You should not have any other gods. This is the, all the negative. Mitzvahs are based on the mitzvah of Layyilacha, the commandment of Layyilacha. We had a phone call from somebody today who needs to speak this week by a bar mitzvah, and he needed to know something quickly, the Pasha connection. And we tried to tell him all our bar mitzvah jokes and stories, and he wanted something substantial from the Pasha. In the Pasha we find the Pasha Ve'ahavta, Sashem Alekech, Shema Yisrael, and Ve'ahavta. In Ve'ahavta we find that it says, Martim, 
the first you should teach your children, and then it talks about Aksharatim the Isayadakha. Whereas in Pashat Vahoyim Shemaya it says, Ukshartam Mesim Lesayedchem Vayutas Vinechem the Maratam Mesim Espinechem first it mentions the Tfilin and then mentions the education. Why does the Torah turn these things around? And I told him, and it's a very important lesson to every parent, and a very important lesson to every child. We think, since the Torah mentions first about the education of, a children, of children, we figure, and many people figure as such, hey, 13 years, it doesn't have its, uh, it doesn't have its tevye, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that. He gets his 13th year, he becomes a man. He's a man, I get to stand behind him when he gets his aliyah, and I announce in front of everybody a very, very special blessing, Baruch Shepetarani Meinishavaza. Some say it even with God's name. I am finished, I am Potter, I am exonerated from this punishment. Anything he does henceforth is on his head. And therefore many people think, feel, understand that that's where the book ends. I did mine. I educated, I worked on it very hard. He's after Bamitsunal. now. He's on his own. So the Torah tells us, first, in the first part of the Hafta, tells us about educating your child, and then about tefillin. Which means for those who understand or don't understand or don't realize even, till Bar Mitzvah, it's all your responsibility to educate your child. Then the Tera says, Ukshartem, the Maratem, Ukshartem, Laisa Yedchem, Titofes Benechem, Vili Maratem, Mesas Benechem, even after the mention of Tefillin, even after the Bracha of Barashep Tarani, Yes, he is your responsibility. Education never ends. We are obligated to educate our children forever. And this is something that doesn't end by any given point. And although the generations have become very, very tech-savvy, and the older generations, unfortunately, are not so tech-savvy. What happens is the children start to think, hey, I'm smarter than him. Smarter than him, smarter than my mother. I can do things on the phone, on the internet, on this, on that, and they don't even have to know. Things that they would resent, they would definitely never allow me to do. The message is for the children as well. The Manteidum and Kindlach, you have to know that that's not how it works. Teda, education, respect for your elders never ends.
But we have those that say, ah, but what if I could learn better than the older people? Do I still have to respect them? Or do they have to start respecting me? This is again the explanation of how Taylor teaches us. En kaze davar, there's no such thing. You need to stand up for an older man, even if the old man is not as learned as you. One needs to respect, to honor the elders, especially your parents. Ah, but my parents are not alive any longer. My kind, my dear child, now they're in Elamamis. Now they see, now they really see now what they have to watch out over you for. How they need to educate you. How they need to see to it that you're doing the right thing and acting the right way. And this is what it says in this parasha, The child learns, and the Torah tells us, Mishnah Pichyavis, Perik Dalit, Mishnah Chavbez, Ben Chomesh Lemikra. At five years old, the boy starts to learn Mikra, Tera. He sits with his friends in the class, and he reaches the Pasuk in today's Parsha, Vishinantam Levanecha. Levanecha, teach your children. Ooh! Boy starts to scratch his head. He says, wait a minute. Tera says, teach your children, means the father has to teach me. My father's not the teacher here. The Rebbe's the teacher. What's going on here? And my father told me to go learn here. He didn't tell me, sit with me and I'll learn with you. He said, go learn there. And look around my class. Nobody's father's teaching him. How is this possible? My father is not keeping a mitzvah same in a a positive commandment from the Teda. What does this mean? What is my father not understanding or lacking when he does when he hears or sees that he needs to educate me and he's sending me somewhere else for education? Another question: Yaakov Avinu blessed Bnei Shimon. The children of this tribe of Shimon, way back in Bereshis. And he says, Achal can be Yaakov, Afitzim be Yisrael. Divided up amongst Yaakov, spread out amongst Yisrael. And the explanation is they should become Melam de Tindaikis, they should become teachers. If the father is supposed to be teaching the child, we don't need any teachers. If there's an orphan, Rechman has no father. Okay, he needs a teacher. If a father never can't read, he's an ignoramus. Okay, he needs a teacher. A whole tribe needs to be designated as teachers? For whom? How many teachers? How many orphans? 
We know, of course, the Alter Rebbe himself. The first Chabad Rebbe came to him and told him, I have an obligation to teach my child Teda. You have an obligation to support your family. We'll switch. I will support your family, and you teach my son Teda. And then the Alter Rebbe proceeded in giving instructions to the teacher exactly what method to use, what to approach, and how to learn how to teach his child. But the child sitting there says, wait a minute, this doesn't, doesn't fit, doesn't jive. Therefore Rashi immediately, we look, Vishinantum of Rashi says, it's not the obligation of the father himself to teach the child the Tera. This is chapter 6, verse 7. This is a message for the teachers. What is the Vanecha Elo HaTalmidim? This means the students. Rashi adds, We found in many places, Talmidim, students, are called children. And he brings several different proofs from Pesukim. Afterwards, Rashi then says, Since the students are called children, etc., the teachers called an av, a father. Says in the pasuk, "Ovi, ovi, rechav Yisrael parashiv." In Melachim Beis, in Melachim Beis, Perikid Beis, where Elisha says to his master Elio, "Ovi, ovi, my father," he calls him. So Rashi now is telling us the great obligation of the Malamid on the child to teach child Teda. He needs to give this child mamish as if he was giving and the same way the child has to be obliga- is obligated to be totally devoted and dedicated to his teacher to listen to the words. It's a relationship of father and son. As we said, by Elisha and Elio, Ovi Ovi Rechisel Pirashev. Elisha did not find it sufficient to call him my master, my teacher. He calls him Ovi Ovi, who's the Rechav Yisrael Pirashev, the chariot of the Jews. Compares him to literally Rechav Pirashev. Rech Parashim usually bring the victory to the battle. Learning Teda is compared to war. It's a war of, it's called Svaris, different thought patterns. You learn a Sugi, you learn a certain part in Gemara. And all of a sudden, questions start to come up. And it gets tossed back and forth. 
you theorize this way, you theorize this way. It could mean this, it could mean that. Does the Gemara mean this? Does the Gemara apply it to that? Does the Gemara, how is the Gemara actually working this? The Rav comes along and gives a Hadrocha, gives a path for which the child needs to walk. And once the child has those tools, they can win the battle. They can understand it. And therefore, the, the Rebbe is called Rechav Yisrael Paroshav. This is what we learn from this Pesach. A Jew that teaches his Chavar Teira, teaches his friend Teira, needs to do it in a way of a Shinantam Levanecha. Not just a teacher to his student, to his disciple, like a child. It needs to be, when you come to teach a subject, that you are totally fluent in this. No stuttering, no backing up and thinking, and having one question throw you off and put you in the who knows where. Therefore, you can't just learn it once and then say, okay, I can teach it twice. You need to get through it all the way. So that the things that you are now going to teach are totally clear by you. Another hint, what it says, Avi, Avi, when he says to Leo and Avi, who's going to be Mavasar Agula, who's going to notify us about the Gula, Yikes. Okay, everybody's back on track. Sorry, someone called in and kept writing texts. Anyway, another hint of Eliyahu Avi Mivasate being called Avi Avi through teaching Tera to others and and spreading the word of Tera to others completely and fully. It becomes as if the ultimate, the ultimate. Prophecy. That in the time of the Geula, it will be fulfilled like Rambam finishes off. That the world will be filled with the words of Torah.
And this also we find another portion of this week's parsha. Earlier in the parsha, actually, chapter four, verses forty-one and forty-two, Perik pasukim mem aleph mem beis. Oz yavdil Moshe shalish orim. Then Moshe will divide three cities, and ultimately for what? For lonos shamer for the Ritzeach to run there, the murderer to run there. Cities of refuge. Known as Ore Miklot. A person killed another person by accident. Although they were warned to be careful. They unfortunately were not successful in being careful. And the person, the other person, died in result. Tells us the Tata that the since the family members want to come kill this person for doing that. So therefore the Tata tells us since it was an accident as an accident we don't kill somebody for that the person has a right to run to one of the six cities of refuge that were established and they were established excessively throughout the country so that one could reach that in time before what's called the Goyal Hadam the family member would come and avenge his death, the death of his member, his family member. The family member has, though, the right to defend the honor of his relative because they were late, so I left and done this to avenge his relative and to kill the murderer. The question is asked, if a tree falls in a forest and there's nobody there to hear it fall, will it make a sound? Or the question is asked, are there colors in a dark closet? Hmm. Scratch your head on that one. Very philosophical, to say the least. Thank you. The man killed another man by accident. But nobody saw it. We've told this story a zillion times. But it's Kedai to tell it, being that we're talking about Nteda and the murder of person and how HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees to it to put everybody where they need to be, when they need to be there. And the story goes as follows. Moshe Rabbeinu, it says in Medish, was above getting the Teda. 
And HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to show him, the Almighty wanted to show him, how everything he does fits. And everything is honest. So the scene that Moshe has shown is a forest, a dark forest. An old man is walking. And this young boy is helping him. And a man comes running over with a knife, yielding a knife, and says to him, give me your money. And he starts to cry and plead, the money that I have is all the money that I own, and it, it's for my young child here, my son, I don't know how long I'll live, and he'll need to be supported, he'll need to live. This thief, this murderer, this robber, was not interested in anything. All the tears couldn't wash away his anger, his... his loss for money. And immediately he takes out his knife, and he stabs the old man, Rahman al-Islam, and he grabs the bag of money, leaving the child crying over his dead father. And the child is screaming, help, somebody help, catch him. And a man is riding by on his horse, and he hears the cries of the child, and he sees the man running. And he starts to pursue him. The man hears somebody chasing, somebody in tow, starts to run faster, it's a dark forest, as we said before, trips over a branch, over a root, smacks his head in a tree, drops the bag, picks himself up and just keeps running because he doesn't want the guy to catch him. The interim, the man on the horse gets off, he dismounts, he sees the bag, he opens it, it's a bag full of gold coins. Ah, what does the little boy know about money? He doesn't need it. It's not for him. Ah, you know what to do with money. And he pockets the money, and he mounts his horse, and he rides off. And this is how the story ends. Moshe is in shock. This is Yeshua, this is correct. This is how you run a world. Ah, says to him, go up another step on your ladder. And he goes up another step and he sees another scene. A beautiful open field, a meadow, with a running brook. A beautiful, beautiful scenery. And suddenly he hears the bleeding of sheep. And the sheep start to fill the field. And the young shepherd boy, I'm sorry, I ruined it. Prior to that, he sees on across the field comes riding a, a knight in shining armor. And the knight in shining, uh, shining armor dismounts his horse. 
and he brings it to the water to drink and is the, lets the horse eat a little bit of grass, he bends down to get his share of water. He's wearing an armor and is heavy and he didn't feel that he bent down. His pouch of money fell out of his pocket, out of his armor. He mounts his horse and rides off. Now comes the shepherd boy with his sheep. And he's tending to each one of his beautiful little sheep as if they're children of his own and making sure they have grass to eat. It's soft enough for them. Leading each shepsula to the water making sure they drink. It almost looks like he has a name for each one of them. Well, the shepherd boy made sure all his shepsilach ate and drank their fill. And he starts to herd them away. Come on, shepsilach, let's go. And as they leave the field, he sees a pouch of money sitting there by the water. As they say in the old English, he looks hither and thither. Hither and thither. He looks to right, he looks left, he looks up and down. There's nobody around here. This is definitely considered what's called in Torah language, Hefker, abandoned. And so he picks up the money, places it in his pocket, and moves on. The next one to enter the scene is an old beggar. And the old beggar comes on a stick, tottering along, and he comes to the water, and he puts down his little knapsack. He puts his knapsack down, and he takes out of his knapsack a piece of stale bread. And he dips the stale bread into the water so his toothless mouth can consume a little bit of crumbs. And he eats a little bit off the bread, enough to sustain himself for a while. He drinks some water to refresh himself. And there in the middle of the field was a beautiful shady tree. He practically crawls his way over to the tree, sits down, puts his bag next to him and promptly falls asleep. Only to a rude awakening. The knight in shining armor realized he lost his money. And he returns to the spot where he must have dropped it and looks all around and it's not there, but what does he see? The old beggar man sitting under the tree. Immediately he approaches him and he starts to scream and yell, wake him up. Give me my money, you thief what you are. The old beggar wakes up and he has no idea what he wants. What money? I don't have any money. Give me... And the man was screaming and yelling and the man refused adamantly that he had any money. And the man... The, the knight draws his sword and kills the poor man. He then takes the bag... And he opens it up and empties it out and sees the few pieces of bread, maybe some kind of belongings. 
but obviously no money. He was quite mistaken, and his money is lost. What should he do? He gets on his horse and he rides off. Now Moshe understood the greatness of God, the honesty of God, and how perfectly the Abishta runs the world. Because the second story happened after the first story. And in the first story, the money was taken from the child. And the child ultimately became a shepherd. When he became a shepherd, the man who rode off with the money became a knight in shining armor. So he dropped the boy's money, the shepherd's money. So the shepherd boy picks up the money and now has the money that his father meant to leave him. He's the rightful owner of that money. As for the beggar, he was the murderer. He killed the old man for the money. And therefore he needed to be put to death. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu sees that the round circle goes around and around. The person goes to the Aramikla because he killed somebody by accident. This needs to take place after being warned by witnesses that what he's doing is dangerous and he can hurt somebody. Only then can he be deemed as Heidi Bishagik because he didn't actually go and kill the other person if the head of the axe fell off and struck someone on the head and killed him. And therefore he sent to Ari Miklat. There he must stay until the Kayan Godel passes away. And we've discussed at great length this as well, how the Kayan Godel's mother comes and feeds the people, keep them happy not to pray that the Kayan Godel should die. But the Kayan Godel is the one that had to pray on Yom Kippur that things like this shouldn't happen. So when they do, Obviously his prayers were not fulfilled. And therefore, it's on him, the onus, to an extent, and people wait until he dies in order to leave. What happens if the person killed by accident and nobody saw it? Tells us, the Tera, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu finds this man that killed by accident, and finds a man that killed on purpose was never seen, and he puts them together in a very interesting scenario. The, mer- the murderer who needs to be put to death is walking under a ladder which the a- accidental murderer is mounting, is climbing. And people are telling him that ladder is shaky, it's dangerous, you got to be careful. And suddenly, a rung breaks on the ladder, and the man on top falls down on top of the man on the bottom, 
killing him, but he deserved to die because he killed somebody amazing. And this man, who was on the ladder and was not careful, and everybody publicly saw that this just happened, is sent to Ari Miklat because he killed by accident. So this is how HaKadosh Baruch Hu makes sure that everything falls into place. The Torah tells us this Ari Miklat was set up. And if you keep your score at home, the Yomar Baba Basra Kuf Amid Beis. 100, side 2. Also, Gemara and Makis, if you keep your score at home, and Yud Amid Beis. Which discusses these laws. And tells us that there's a road that went, that led to the Oremiklot, and it was a very well-paved road. It was wide, 23 amas. And wherever there was a fork in the road, there was a sign with an arrow that said, Miklot, Miklot. This way to the Oremiklot. To make it easier for the runner to find his way to the Oremiklot. Teda and all its lessons, as we know, is perpetual. Now, today's day and age, we don't have an Ari Miklat. We need to therefore understand what is the spiritual connotation of such a city, a city of refuge. Where does that come into play today? So although the concept of Armiklot has been nullified, today's day and age as well, we have the concept of Armiklot. To forgive for those that were Harigas Nefesh. Again, keeping score at home is the Yamada Makis Yudam and Aleph still. Divide Teda killed him. The words of Teda gathering people, they are the refuge. The words of Teda are our city of refuge, spiritually speaking. One that killed. A nefesh beruchni by accident. One that himself detached himself, God forbid, from God. Which this is his true lifeline, Teda, God. And one detached himself from this. As we know, this is what Teda is all about. It's our life. So these people that go and sin and they tear themselves away from the way of Teda, they're cutting off their lifeline for their holy soul, for their neshama. Tells us the Teda, don't despair. Yesh Miklot, there is a place to run. You can always run to Teda and Teda will save you.
Where do we see the concept of Ari Miklat hinted? The path to Teda is very well paved. It's very wide. And each place, each crossroad, each turn, there's a sign telling you which way to go. And HaKadosh Baruch himself shows the person which way to turn. Miklot, Miklot. As we know, the Torah tells us, Ubacharta Bachaim, choose life. But in order to actually achieve the Almighty's intention, we need to act as the Gemara again in safety in the same place we keep his score at home. Yeralaf Amaralaf tells us, Mido Keneged Mido. One attribute fits in with another. And this makes for him as if the person that is coming now to a crossroad. Where you find Jews that had been Hargonefesh, they killed their own soul, they detached themselves, God forbid, from the source of life, the lifeline. And it now stands in their stead like a sign. A sign, a live sign. To show the light of Teda. And it calls out, Miklot, Miklot. Turn right, my friend. Turn to the way of life and Teda. Tamur Hashem, says. Test and you will see. Taste. And you will see that God is good. Tafshin Yudches Purim. The Rebbe called out, proclaimed, Tamuriu kitev avaye, Farzuch vetrizen, Azareivish is good. Which simply means, taste it, you'll see God is good, godliness is great. And a person can say, I'm not looking for the crossroads. I'm ready to go left. We need to remember this is our mission. Every person has the mission to save even one Jew from going to the wrong way and pointing them in the direction and causing them to join the road and the path. to Miklot to have them <laughs> I'll get a smile out of somebody follow the yellow brick road uh, it's not brick it's paved we know the Bashem has told us <coughs> it's brought down the Yem Yem of Heir <coughs> and Hashama comes down into this world for 70-80 years it wears and tear, tears in order to do a favor for another. Physically and especially spiritually. So therefore we know that it's, it's fit to stand on this crossroad. It's worth it to make sure that the Jew goes in the right direction. 
we need to send like a lit up light, light lit, lit, illuminated sign. Even if we don't see any open revealed results, we need to fulfill our tafkid, our mission. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu does his. Because muftuch lanush HaKadosh Baruch Hu yishalim midah kineged midah. It's guaranteed HaKadosh Baruch Hu repays midah kineged midah. What you do, God pays you back for it. And therefore he helps you to save the person from the Goyal Adam. The person coming to kill him who is the Yitzhahara. And to choose always and only the way of life, Derech HaChayim. Tavshin Yud Beis, when the Rebbe spoke to the Sikha, he ends the Sikha with a story. If you have the Kuti Sikhas, it's Chelek Beis, the end of the Shanon. And the Rebbe tells a younger man from the Tmimim, a young man from the students of Yeshiva told me a conservative rabbi was once here and he came to Chassidus Shafabrengen. He didn't become a Chassid, I tell you that. But he liked what he saw. He was interested in the concept of chassidim, what they're all about. This rabbi himself, this conservative rabbi, was either a teacher or a principal in a, in a day school. And he had to tell the children stories, contemporary stories, things that will interest them and keep pique their interest. So he told them there are Jews, they're called Hasidim. The kids said, Hasidim too, what are they? No, Hasidim. And he started to tell them the actions, behaviors of Hasidim. They learn before davening, they daven very long. Then they have other lessons which they learn, and then, they drink their cup of juice. After the learning, and the davening at great length, and some more learning, then they drink their cup of juice. Children, heard, and they asked, why are you telling us, about the Jews of yesteryear? of the older generations or back in Europe and he told him no, 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 no today's day and age here in America children said sorry we don't believe you we don't believe you can't be here in America there are Jews so dedicated and devoted to davening and learning and teda, before even their cup of orange juice in the morning, 
today you would probably, if you had to, if the story was different today, it would probably be before that cup of coffee. Where in America are you going to find such Jews? The rabbi started looking for different ideas, different ways how to show them in actuality. He reminded himself of a person that he knew, a chassidish young man. This is the one that told the story to the Rebbe. So he went over to him, he drove to him, and he tells him this whole story. He begged him, please come to the school. You need to do nothing. Rabbi tells the human, do not, just come to the school. So the human agreed. The human came into the school. A young man with a big beard, hat, jacket. The rabbi calls out to the students and says, Remember, I told you about Chsidim? And you didn't believe me? Well, look, lo and behold, a Chosid in the flesh. He is one of the chassidim. Well, needless to say, the children scrutinize this fellow. This beard, the whole appearance was quite bewildering. And they asked him, Are you a chassid? Or are you Amish? And he answered, Yes, I'm a chassid. I thought I got away with that line. <laughs> so they started to ask him the behaviors of Chassidim the next day the children were, were, were totally blown away they were mesmerized and they came home that night, that day and they started asking a lot of questions to their parents. Why are we not like the Chassidim? This is what the Rebbe means. He says that the, chassid, the person needs to stand by the crossroad and needs to tell the people this is the way to Miklat. This is the way that a Jew saves themselves from all the ongoings of today's world, the turmoil, the trials, the tribulations, and we stay and we battle royal against the Yitzhahara, and we see to it conquer, so that we stay in the Miklot and we help revive our Neshama. Shabbos Nachmu, as we said, was the first Shabbos after Tishbev. And of course, the beginning of the seven weeks of Nechama, of condolence for the 
destruction of the temple and the exile. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Menachimus through his prophet. And he says, Nachamu, Nachamu Ami. Double. The double condolence. Nachamu and Nachamu. In the beginning of our parasha, we see Meshe Rabbeinu Davins. He wants to go into Israel as Hanon El Hashem. He davens to God. He pleads with God. Let us go in. Let me go in. Let me see the land. And Chazal tell us that the chukka of Mesha, the yearning of Mesha to enter the Holy Land was so strong he davened 515 prayers which is the numerical value of the word Va'eschanan. Do it in your head quickly. The last two letters are Nun Nun, which is 100. You have a Saf in the middle, is 400, it's 500. Then you have a Vav, Aleph, and a Ches. 6, 1, and 8 is 15. Fast enough? Good. 515. It's brought down in the Sfarim. My ancestor, the Megala Mukha, says, if Moshe would have gone into Israel and built the Besamikdash, there would never have been a destruction of the temple. It would have lived and existed forever. But since it was ultimately in the books, excuse me, like it will be in the future when Mashiach comes. So the Tfilis of Moshe was actually to bring the Geula Amitus Vashlema, to bring Mashiach already. Shabbos Nachmu comes out always, as we know, tomorrow is Tuba of. Not tomorrow. Friday. Friday. It's Tuba of. And the Mishnah tells us about Tuba of. The end of Mesech Tainus, last Mishnah. There are no Yom Tevim like Tubav, like 15th day above. And the mile of Tubav and all the other Yom Tevim is as follows. It always comes after this terrible time of Tishabav and the nine days. And therefore it takes us to the ultimate extreme, from the lowest of sadness to the highest of joy. To the Geula because of redemption of the Churban. And we find a hint to this in one of the things of Tubav, the Gemara, if you keep his score at home, Tainus, the Aflamid on the bottom of Ahmed Bez. The Gemara says, Shekolubah Midbar. It was on Tubav that the people stopped dying in the Midbar. Every year we told this before, on Tishabav, the Eden would climb into a ditch. And that's how they would die. All those that were under the decree to die in the desert died on Tishabov. The last year before the Eden went into that cell, they went into the ditch again and they woke up in the morning nobody died. So they said, wait a minute, maybe we got the date wrong. Typical Jews. Mm-hmm. It, it, the gun is not shooting right. Let me show you how to shoot it when you want to shoot me. Um... So they said they did it again the next night and the next night and the next night 
until Tuba when the moon was full, and then they realized that no, it was correct, and this was the end of this terrible decree. And therefore, it's this day that reveals the taklis of the Golas and the Churban has to have its highest point. It's a yomtiv lehoi yomtiv so like never, never, no comparison to it. But to ultimately reach this, we need the Nachamu and the Tuba of the Nechama, the double Nechama that awakes us and will not only not to add to what happened in the past, but literally to turn it all around. And this is what happens on Tubav, when the Yomara says, on this day, they started to, the nights start getting shorter, the darkness starts getting shorter, and therefore the light starts to come earlier. Each Jew needs to make a Cheshvin Tzedek. What now? To bring closer the Gula, what do I have to do? And he accepts upon himself to add to the mitzvahs, then definitely we will see to it that we bring the ultimate revelation and redemption of Mashiach Fikainu for each and every Jew to bring forth the Geula Mitzvah Shlema. I went overtime. I'm sorry. Have a good Shabbos. May this Shabbos Friday Tubav, Mashiach Erev Shabbos, Mashiach Erev Shabbos, the one who involves himself Erev Shabbos preparations, will eat on Shabbos and we will have from this Tubav the preparation will bring us to Yem Shekulei Shabbos Menucha L'chayi Elamim the time Mashiach Tzidkenu and the finest of this Shabbos in Yerushalayim Yerakadosh hearing Nachmu Nachmu the double Nachamah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu Good Shabbos